Ladies and gentlemen, now it's too late with Alan Mosley. Look at all that stuff going on over Twitch. You see that? Yeah, that's crazy. A lot of activity. They were that confident that tonight's show was a banger. They didn't even wait. They just said, I, yeah. I, know, I know these guys are not going to mail it in tonight. It's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and slide them a few dollars. And boy, weren't they wrong. Guys, <laughs> welcome back for another episode of It's Too Late. I am your host, Alan Mosley, joined as always by the number one producer in late night. It's Dave Willimowski. Dave, how are you doing? Doing really good. How you doing? Uh, you know, I'm I'm doing pretty good. I was I was just like collecting my thoughts there during the intro and the band's playing and you're getting ready to do do your little spiel and you didn't say and and I'm always so proud of you when you don't that I remembered that Friday Friday is September first. Do you know what Friday is, Dave? Uh it's the 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 beginning of September. It is. Mm-hmm. But it's also something else. It marks six years, count them, one, two, three, four, five, six years since September 1st, 2017, which was yeah. episode one of the gold standard slash It's Too Late with Alan Mosley. Six, six years. Six Six years. Yeah, six year. Hey, six years. Hey, look yeah. at us now. I know, look at us. Uh. Hey, look at us. Look at us. Huh? Who would have thought? Not me. <laughs> definitely <I'm>... not. <laughs> uh, pro- definitely not you, because six years ago, you, no. weren't, you weren't here. You were like, my I God. Didn't, I didn't know who you were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Uh, but we also have some other big dates to remember. September 4th, which is Labor Day, so no one has any excuse to not be here. Everyone's going to be off on Labor Day. Monday, September 4th at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time is the Taco Bell tier list on It's Too Late. It's finally happening, ladies and gentlemen. Look at that Borg Cube Taco Bell. What the hell? It's it's creepy. It's like a Taco Bell it's bank. Slick. You drive up to the thing and, like, you know, there's, like, the oh, tubes. Oh, it's got the tubes. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, yeah. That's awesome. So that's not what my Taco Bell looks like, but I'm going to go to... A, a, some, a somewhat more dilapidated Taco Bell and get my share. Yeah. Um, how about you? Are you going to a reputable Taco Bell location? Yeah, yeah, we got we got a, we got a couple, and I'm I have one in mind. I'm, I might give them a heads up. I don't know if I, I need to call ahead and let them like be like you might want to bring somebody extra in, or is it just is this see, a big I, order? See, I thought about this because I thought about if we're gonna order all this stuff, how are we gonna know what's what? Like we need them to label all the items because yeah. a lot of them are going to look similar in the package but then i remembered there's no point in me bringing it up to them because they're fast food wage slaves who will yeah. we'll be lucky if we get the order at all much less them writing down oh the, no you know things are going to be missing yeah these people aren't literate they're thing. not going to be able to write down <laughs> what's what's on there oh that's uh, what i was going to say sharpie but yeah yeah I, you know what? I actually thought about going out there to place my order and giving them a sharpie and saying, "Can you label it?" But, but, I, I, I'm putting my mind in the mind of the mm-hmm. person on the other side of the counter, and they're thinking, just, "I'm, yeah, yeah." yeah that's just I, gonna piss them off. Yeah, I am. <laughs> I'm going to smear excrement on every single item that's going in this bag. So no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but that's Monday, Labor Day, Monday, September fourth, nine o'clock Eastern Time at night is the taco bell tier list so guys we we gotta pump this one up we're gonna share that graphic on all of our channels after tonight so get ready um oh boy people are sharing the memes non-stop about the infamous mugshot of one former president donald trump uh but trump wasted no time in capitalizing on it uh here's his first comments since the mugshot was released the world is a mess the world is as angry as it gets well, you think this is going to cause a little more anger? The world is an angry place. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Good job on the makeup, though. I wonder if he did that himself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that really. It would have looked better if it was smeared with tears, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> Sad. Um, 
MAGA supporters around the country have been using the latest developments as a rallying cry, of course, uh, posting images like the one you see right here. Uh, yeah, retribution is coming, ladies Whoa. and gentlemen. Uh, predicting that the Donald will go on a revenge tour if and when he's re-elected president. But uh, I hate to rain on the cuck-servative parade. Actually, I don't hate to. I love to. Uh, but I got some bad news, guys. Oh. You know what Donald Trump is going to do to the deep state and to the left and to the various politicians and bureaucrats and prosecutors and judges who he feels have engaged in unfair political prosecution against him? You know what he's going to do to all those people if he gets reelected? What's he going to do? The exact same thing he did to Anthony Fauci uh, or Hillary Clinton. Uh, or 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 he's the things he did for Edward Snowden, Snowden or Ross Ulbricht or maybe his own supporters who were named defendants in the January 6 riots. Mm -hmm. Absolutely nothing. Yep. Absolutely nothing whatsoever. I cringe every time I see one of these right wing influencers posting things like revenge tour and retribution is coming. You all are absolutely embarrassing. Even yeah. extra embarrassing that you look, you have all the evidence of what this man is about already on record. It's not like we're sitting around wondering, I wonder what Donald Trump will be like if he gets in power. We already know. Yeah, he did that. Yeah, he did the nothing. We already know. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, and finally this evening, the internet has been abuzz about this 12-year-old kid from Colorado named Jaden who ran afoul of his public school tyrants for having a Gadsden flag patch on his backpack. He refused oh. to move, remove it when they asked him to because they said it was a symbol of hate. Do we do we have a picture of this uh, Jaden? Oh, yeah, yeah, I got one here. Yeah, there he is right there. Wow. Um, by the way, we only know of Jaden's plight thanks to his mom who recorded a meeting between herself and some school administrator that they, they met with. So there's Jaden right there, and the camera is behind the mom. So that's that's the school oh. rep back there. I, I mean, I don't even have to tell you who that's who it is. You can tell by taking one look at that <laughs> cunt that, that's, that she works for the school system. Uh, so anyway, she goes on to explain that the reason why they're essentially kicking him out of school if he doesn't comply uh, is because it, the Gadsden flag is review, is viewed as a racist symbol. It's racist, oh. Dave. Don't tread on me I... equals you're a bigot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Honestly. Yeah, just just let us do it. Just let us tread, you know? Uh, <laughs> that right there is just awful. Take a look at it there. That is awful. And, of course, what awful. I mean by awful is AWFL, affluent white female liberal, uh, which you can find at the root of most evil, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, uh, sp speaking of awful, I, I know I said you could take one look at her until she works for the school system. You know how else you can tell if they're an awful? Fat broads and horse-faced lesbians. Now, <laughs> I know. Wow. Don't so... don't ask for context. How how am I supposed got... to know? Yeah, I don't know why she said that. She said it though. <laughs> you know. Uh, now I know that a lot of people are cheering on Jaden's sense of patriotism. Uh, and and cheering on mom, you know, for for stepping up and and coming into the school to stand up for her son, and I I can appreciate all that. I can. Comma, but mm -hmm. the problem I have with it now, I know that there's been an update to the story, and the and the school backed down, and he's allowed to keep the patch because they were they were they were going to suspend him for the following day too when he showed up with with the same patch. Uh, so they were having their little stalemate, and people were saying, "Ah, oh, yeah, look at him. He stood up for what he believes in in the school. We, we, it's a victory. That we, we won a victory against that evil school system." Here's the problem with all that: the mom sent him back to school the next day. My problem with it is, is why would you send him back to that literal camp? This, this federal prison for children where they're just going to put the screws into your kid until he conforms, until he stops being an individual, until he starts parroting the things that they want him to say rather than the values that they're trying to teach him at home. Get your kids out of the goddamn camps. 
So as much as I as I get it, and it's and it's it's great to feel happy for Jaden. I he seems like a strong-willed young man, and I'm glad that mom was willing to go to bat for him. But the the best thing to do would have been to not send him back to that hellhole. Because I want to I want to leave you with this last point. A lot of people have this attitude nowadays that well. I'm I'm going to instill my children with my values and then I will send them to those hellhole public schools so that they can try to, you know, they can try to spread those messages as opposed to being propagandized. You know what that comes off to me as? You know, you're a grown ass man or woman if you're the parent of that child. You're sending your kid to fight your goddamn battles for him. It's not your child's job to go fight the culture war for you. You can fight the war, but don't subject your children to that propaganda and hate. And that's why I'm not in love with this story like everyone else on the internet is. Valid, yeah. Thanks. I'm only here for your validation, yeah. Dave. I like it, yeah. All right. Yeah, it's a solid argument. All right, well, <laughs> on that news, guys, we're going to be back with the meme of the week. In the viewer mail, right after this commercial break. Don't go away. Back to the show, everybody. Apparently, something I said really pissed off the internet overlords. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was so that was scary. I, I, was I hope you enjoyed that monologue because it's just, just you know, it's just, it's, just, it's gone. <laughs> Out down down the memory hole goes that. So, man, I love the state, y'all. Yeah, I love the government. What do you What do you think, Dave? Do you love the government? I think, I think everything's going pretty good, and I'm I'm liking the. Like in the direction we're heading in. All right. With well, their plan. <clears throat> anyway, now's a good time, I think, to check my fortune. I probably should have checked it before I, I delivered the monologue, apparently, because yeah, maybe, there, maybe be there was a warning in here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. What if this is, like, really dark? Uh, I'm not going to be able to handle it. With courage, impossibilities fade and achievements become reality. Well, that's a bunch of horse shit right there, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Uh, 936, 44, 45, 47, 48. There's no fucking way that the numbers are going to be that many 40s. Come on. 47. I like 47. All right. All right. Is that how old you are? It's 47? <clears throat> no. Right. No. All right. Someday. <laughs> or or not. Hopefully. Hey, uh, <laughs> hey, Dave. Yes, Alan. What time is it? It's time for meme of the week. Is oh. it? Oh. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, a little bit more. Me and the cashier waiting to see if my card will go through. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah, you, you knew it was going to make an appearance at some point, right? There is it. To Cobble. You, you can see if you can hit it now. Dude. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was doing. I, I, Good I job, lost buddy. in his eyes. I was just... <laughs> yeah, apparently you're not the other, only one. Um, <laughs> but we do have a bonus meme. Check out the bonus meme. Yeah, I mean, five hundred is a lot of money. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. If yeah. if you think twenty dollars is a lot of money, then five hundred. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot, a lot of money. Um, <laughs> we're actually running out of time because we have such a fantastic guest segment. So you know what that means? We do. It means we're going to read all the viewer mail. Oh yeah.
You alright? Alright. Monologue always stresses me out. Yeah. <laughs> no, you did a good job with the monologue, and then I don't know. Yeah, the ball uh, of nerves. <laughs> Gary Dykster writes, Dear Alan and Dave. If you could file an FOIA request uh, about one given question and be Gary, stop political horseshit in my viewer mail. Jesus Christ. The viewer mail is for Dave. What's your favorite porno? It's not for Sasquatch. I want to know. I want to know what they have about Sasquatch. Oh, okay. So that's not your favorite porno then, Sasquatch. No. No. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, that came out. <laughs> there's. There's. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I feel like you... Yeah, don't worry. Uh, Aaron Kittner writes, Dear Alan and Dave, what was the scariest moment of your life? Oh. Um, I don't oh. know. Five minutes ago ranks up there pretty good. Um, <laughs> that was a little scary. Yeah, it was a little scary. A bunch of black SUVs out front. Um, <laughs> I think the scariest moment... See, the thing is, is that I'm I'm a sociopath. So when, when like life-threatening, terrible things happens, I'm just like, oh, here, it is what it is, you know? Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. So it's like, I, it's hard for me as a broken person to, to know what a, what a scary moment is. Oh, yeah. I would, I, okay, I will say, I do have one. I remember uh, being on the interstate one time. I, I, like a lot of people's scariest moment's going to be one time I was on the interstate and, and mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember I was in the fast lane because I was trying to get somewhere fast, you know, mm -hmm. and... And I'm a, I'm a great driver. I've never been in a wreck. I've never been in a fender bimber. I've never been pulled wow. over. I've never gotten a ticket. Like, I've there you go. Okay. Flawless driver. But there's a little bit of luck involved, I think, because <laughs> it was one of these deals where I was looking for the exit I was trying to get. This was back before, like, these. And I was looking mm -hmm. for which exit was mine, but I was in the far left lane. And I, oh, was, pro yeah. I was probably going 90. Oh. And I looked up. And there was a car in front of me that I was coming really fast up to the back of because everyone in this lane had slowed down to like 35 because there was like a tire in the road or something. Oh, that's fun. And on on my left is like a retaining wall. Mm -hmm. And I had three choices. Hit the wall, hit the car at 90, or merge into the, ne into the next lane. I didn't mm -hmm. have time to look to see if there was anyone <laughs> in that lane. I just I just rolled the dice <laughs> and I just went to the next one. So basically either I'm going to die or I'm going to involve someone else in my death. Oh yeah. And or I, yeah. or there won't be a car there and I'm going to keep going and there wasn't a car there. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? Willing. Are you one of those people that you feel like that should mean something or it's just an event and it doesn't mean anything at all? Maybe it means it wasn't your time and you have a purpose here. That means, oh, I have to have a purpose? Jesus. Or it's just to torture you. Yeah, I'm going to live forever. There, yeah, The universe isn't done with you yet. What's your scariest moment? Uh, it would have to be um, one, one of my kids' childbirth when uh, Mary had a, a response to a narcotic pain reliever they gave her, and they didn't understand what was going on, and I was afraid that she was going to die. So that was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Boy. Woo. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I'm glad everything worked out. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And and since then Mary's been off the narcotics, right? Yeah, yeah. She doesn't touch him anymore. Okay. Well, that's that's good news. Uh Andrew Avery writes, Dear Alan and Dave, if your quarterback was a leper, would you take a handoff at this line of scrimmage? <laughs> Here, Dave, Dave doesn't do doesn't produce the show anymore, so I'll just right. that would that would tickle me. All right, <clears throat> Jonathan Kranzer writes, "Dear Alan and Dave, what is your favorite game that isn't a video game? Oh, it's got to be football. Yeah, are you ready for some football? Yeah, for the football. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. The t it's coming. It's it. It's here. It's technically here, but yeah, mm. football season." Uh, Keith McCray writes, Dear Alan and Dave, what's the furthest place from home you've ever been? Have you ever seen the mashup? Someone made a video on YouTube from of Sam Gamgee from The Lord of the Rings where every single time oh. he takes a step further away from the Shire, <laughs> it plays the clip of him saying, this is the furthest from home I've ever been. 
It's like a 17 hour long video. Really? <laughs> Every single time he takes a step. <laughs> we should just we should have just streamed that. Yeah. Yeah. Let it let it play someday. Uh what's the furthest you've ever been from home? Um it would be uh Cancun. I, I flew on a Mexican airline to Cancun. Oh, and you're alive. Yeah, yeah, I made it back. It was a uh, they had like it was all inclusive place I was at, and they had like tequila just everywhere. That was the first time I ever projectile vomited. Oh wow! It was like two rooms, three walls, my shoes. It was fun. Huh. Wow! So it's like your scariest moment and your furthest away <laughs> moment, and they're all, all in there. That's uh, full of ice. I went to New York City once. It was actually right after nine eleven. I mean, I wasn't involved, but anyway. No. Uh, <clears throat> Josh Wright writes, Dear Alan and Dave, would you put your brain in a robot body? Um, probably not, because then I would be dead. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dave, if something were to happen to me, I want I want you to write this down on the note. I want my brain removed from my body and put in a robot. Like, it won't work because the technology's not no. there, but just do it. It'll, for, it'll just march around me. your rotting brain. Yeah, just do it for <laughs> me. Just do it. Okay, it's going on the note. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, Ryan Seifert writes, Dear Alan and Dave, tonight's question is a two-parter. How much does five nights in a hospital cost, and y'all got any more of those peepsies left? Um, we don't have any more peepsies left, and we're never going to have any more peepsies. And um, <laughs> Ryan, we love you, buddy. Yeah. All right. Um, Brian Johnson writes, Dear Alan and Dave, did you go on any fun field trips as a child? I don't know if you're a child when you're like 16, but I went to New York and I, I yeah. saw 9/11. That's what I. Uh, that's what I call Ground Zero. I just it's like, hey guys, look, it's 9/11. Oh. I said that on the bus. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Yeah, it was all. It was really quiet too. <laughs> anyway, I don't know. I was, I was a clown. Um, <laughs> did you go on any fun field trips where you didn't projectile uh. vomit? Oh, where I I went to Gettysburg. That was fun. Got a oh, neat. got a replica sword. See some cool stuff. When did you, when did you get a real one? They, I didn't, they didn't take us anywhere that was selling real ones. All right. Well, plus my budget. Oh yeah, swords are kind of expensive. Like a sword, not yeah. a sharpened piece of metal, but like a real sword. Yeah, yeah they're expensive. Um, God, I want a sword. That's like all men want swords, isn't it? It's a weird yeah. thing. I, I actually, I, in fact, I, I, I even know the one I want because I'm. <laughs> that's where I'm at. And finally, this evening, Mary Lynn Willemowski writes, "Dear Alan and Dave, Ooh, no. If you were a cowboy, what would you name your horse?" Oh wow. Um, Alistair, what about you? Uh. Uh, uh, Kevin. <laughs> Kevin. Yeah. Gee. All right. Hi ho, Kevin. Away. It's not the first time you've said that, is it? No, uh, it is. Guys, <laughs> we're going to be back for a sneaky little segment that you may not be expecting oh. right after this commercial break. Your ad could be playing right now, reaching thousands of potential customers. Sadly, it's not, but it could be. Find out how to be an advertised sponsor for It's Too Late with Alan Mosley. Email us at info at alanmosley.tv. Episode of Sports Ball with Mike Meharry and Alan Mosley. Pulled a little tricky on him, didn't we, Mike? Ha! I missed this music. This is such a great show. Kind of gave me goosebumps. Maybe we just quit It's Too Late and just do Sports Ball. <laughs> there you go. Well, this will be the pilot. All right. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> so this see, we'll see what one. kind of letters you get from to the management. All right. So this is the last one, then. 
Guys, <laughs> welcome back for another episode of Sports Ball. I am your host, Alan Mosley, joined as always by Tampa Bay Sports Superfan Mike Meharry. Mike, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing great. And I got to tell you, it warms my heart to see Bucko Bruce on the ball cap <laughs> there. Check that out. Yeah, how about that? That's uh, that's old school, man. I just got this about three or four days ago. I'm going to wear this for sports ball. Represent like, my boys. I like it. Imagine if they win that one regular season game this year against the Lions. That like that raises the overall win-loss record of Bucko <laughs> right. Bruce by like half a percent in one <laughs> right. game. Exactly. We're going to start off the show the way we always do with some shit announcers say. Constantly spanking him. Yeah, you know, it's preseason, but we still like to win. Yeah, I mean you're no, no stranger. Injuries, you're no stranger to uh, professional sports teams managing general partner. Constantly spiking him. Stick delivers that ball with a little extra riz. Short for charisma. Designated Hitler. Excuse me. Designated hitter looking to get aboard. Sorry about that, folks. Constantly spiking him. We can't turn the black cock black. Uh, we can't turn the Ooh. clock back. I know it's after midnight. We can't turn the clock back and turn it back into the mid-80s and put on a Whitey Herzog team. Constantly spiking him. Cincinnati, a beautiful night and all. <laughs> Excuse me? A beautiful night in Cincinnati. <laughs> Tonight's first down by like. Constantly spiking him. Woo, we, we can't turn the clock back, Mike. No, we certainly can't. And they couldn't, unfortunately for them. Well, you know what I've got? What's that? I've got a puck to the head. And you know, it could be two pucks to the head. I'm having trouble deciding who I should shoot the puck at. I mean, it could be Kelly Stafford, who is uh, L.A. Rams quarterback Matthew Stafford's wife. Or it could be Matthew himself. So let me give you the backstory real quick. Kelly went on her own podcast and basically called out her husband, saying he was having trouble connecting with younger teammates. Uh, he, she's, this is her quoting him. Mm -hmm. uh, he basically said, now they get out of practice and meetings during training camp, and they go straight to their phones. No one looks up from their phones. Matthew's like, I don't know. Am I the dad? Do I take their phones? What do I do here? He's like, I want them to see me not as a coach. Now, it's not like Matthew Stafford's an old man, right? He's 35, for God's sake. Mm -hmm. And he sounds like me. Yeah. So that's why I say, you know, maybe he could get the puck to the head for being a, a, a curmudgeon at 35. I mean, I played hockey on a college team at 40, and I got along great with my teammates in the locker room. So uh, whatever. Um, but I think I'm leaning towards shooting the puck at Kelly for – Basically airing what I'm sure was he thought was a private conversation on her uh, on her podcast. I mean that's that's pretty uh, that's, that's pretty bad. Let's throw our dirty laundry out there. You know, maybe they'll, next week she'll talk about their sex life. Yeah, they'll just let anybody have a podcast these days, won't they? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So you know, I think now that I think about it, I think I'm gonna shoot two pucks to the head today and 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 smack them both. I tell you what, Mike, I've reached I've reached that age where when you're ranting to me about some old geezer who's ready to retire in the NFL, he's two years younger than I am. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's painful, isn't it? It is. I tell you what else is painful. The, the SOB zebras are finally getting what they deserve in this week's Adventures and Officiating. Control drive early, but Maven is in trouble, has to dump it, and does. In the general area of the tight end, Jay Rudolph, Bonner with the pressure. Wait for it. <laughs> Wait for it. Was actually in the way. It got hit in the face during all that. Oh. Adonis Williams Ouch. is in there on the tackle, <laughs> along with Shane Bonner. And the tight end, Rudolph, 82. That's what he gets for missing the hole. He was in position to look like an intended receiver. And then watch, boom, right up against the side of the head. I don't know. If anything, he should perform better now, not worse. I would think. I would you know, think. You know, there was there was one clip that I didn't have time to get in the show this week because we already had everything ready and produced to go. But there was a clip from a high school game. Uh, just, and of course, you know, high, 
schools are back in session, so high school right. football is already well underway, of a coach punching one of his players in the stomach. I mean, full-on uppercutting him in the stomach. I guess it's some kind of a what-are-you-doing-get-your-head-in-the-game type of a situation. Well, police come down on the field thinking that, and the the announcers in the booth thinking that they're there to arrest a parent who has left the sidelines and taken mm-hmm. the field. They arrest the coach wow. for assault of a minor. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, they are only like 15, 16 years old, you know. True. But, you know, yeah. when I was in high school, that would have been considered good coaching. Well, you know, people were making the comments that, you know, sometimes people recoil at the whole grabbing the face mask and shaking the helmet. And and, and it can it can look violent, but, you know, it's a helmet. That's why they wear helmets. But full on sucker punching a 15 year old in the gut when you're a grown man. That's eh, all right. That's on the edge there. All right. We've got our discussion one topic before we take the break. Now, here is a graphic that was shared by former Cowboys wide receiver Des Bryant sticking up for his men in the trenches. The average salary for an NFL running back in 2023 was $1.81 million, while the average salary for a kicker, place kicker, was $2.26 million. Mike Meharry kickers, on average, are paid more in the modern NFL than running backs what's what's your initial thoughts on that my initial thought is you probably ought to get your kid to be a kicker yeah right <laughs> on top Although, of not on top of not having cte at like 26 years old right other than the uh the inevitable insanity that comes with uh with trying to kick a football between two sticks mm-hmm. um honestly this doesn't really surprise me because you know just the economist nerd in me coming out kind of a supply and demand thing. I mean, there are, are more people who can run a football than there are who can actually kick through those two sticks on a consistent basis. So, I don't know. That, that doesn't shock me a bit. Yeah, and and by the way, I had over here on the left side of the graphic, this this was actually an article by uh, Connor Mortel for the Mises Institute of all wonderful places. Why are kickers paid more than running backs? Economic logic provides the answer. Uh, and sure enough, Connor goes goes into that exact point as well. A, a couple a couple of the key points is, uh, of course, uh, rosters are fifty. Was it fifty two or is, I think it's fifty three man 53, rosters. Fifty three, yeah. Uh, the, the the typical NFL roster probably has four running backs on the roster on game day because you because there's you just don't have running backs that can carry the rock these days thirty forty fifty times. This right. isn't this isn't high school or even college. This is professional football, mm-hmm. and the the constant abuse, the constant hits. Uh, you know, you and I are both big fans of Derrick Henry. How do they get that big guy down? They're diving at his knees all the time. Uh, and that's just that's just wear and tear. And and another thing too, by the way, when you're when you're complaining about the average salary of a kicker, now that going back there, that two point two six million, of course, is not what you know the highest paid kicker is. That's the average. That's right. certainly not the average, the highest paid running back in the league at one point eight one million. I can assure you that the highest paid running back in the NFL is paid a lot more than the highest paid kicker in the NFL. Right, but. There's four to five running backs on a game day roster. Most teams, even barring for injury, most teams only have one actual place kicker, PK, on the roster on game yeah, day. And about half the teams would like to have another one. <laughs> that's yes. not the one that's on their roster now. Yes, exactly so. We, we have the same conversation about quarterbacks and quarterbacks making the kind of money they do. In my opinion, there may only – when you're talking about like a a franchise quarterback, because that's a, that's a phrase that gets tossed around a lot. Like, oh, the Panthers just drafted C.J. Stroud. He's their franchise quarterback. Right. Well, he is in the sense of what they've had to invest in him in terms of draft capital and, and, and a rookie contract and all that. And they're, and they're going to give him some years to develop and see if he's the guy. But when I think franchise quarterback, I don't, I don't think of a guy you're hoping will work out. I think of a guy who you're going to, when his contract is up, you're going to sign him to like an eight-year extension for $200 million because you want his arm to carry you to a Super Bowl, not be okay and manage a game and not lose. I mean, win the game for you. I don't think there's ever more than six or eight truly franchise QBs in the NFL at any given time. And kickers are very similar. I think you're probably right. There are probably about half the teams in the league have a kicker that – 
If he misses a couple of kicks, it's not the end of the world. We'll get him next time. The other half of the teams in the league, if they miss a couple of kicks, they're 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 looking at the waiver wire. They're looking for another kicker. Yeah. You know, the other thing that's interesting about kickers is, especially for kickers that have been with the team for, you know, more than a couple of years, they're often the leading point producer on the team. Yes. So, you know, if you if you just look at what they produce in terms of, you know, output, uh, kickers are pretty important. You know, those those field goals and, and extra points add up. Well, I you might recall one of the last episodes of Sports Ball we did, we had we had a, a fun little discussion topic of how good would a kicker have to be for you to give a number one overall draft pick to draft mm-hmm. that kicker? And and this was a discussion that I that I ripped off from another site where they were basically discussing if you could if you had a kicker coming out of college and let's say he never missed you you know he has a one hundred percent accuracy rating he'll never miss a point after attempt he'll never miss a field goal and then it's just a matter of how far can he kick it if you knew that your kicker could kick sixty. Mm-hmm. And never miss. Would you draft number one overall? Most people would still say no. Not number one overall. No. What? I mean, the, like the all-time league records, like sixty-six. What well, seventy? Right. Wait, if he could hit a seventy-yard field goal and never miss, would you draft him number one overall? I would. <laughs> I think I would too. And so then the question comes: How good would a running back have to be for you to draft him number one overall? Now, running right. backs used to be worth more because it used to be a running league. But now mm-hmm. in a in a game where everyone's going five wide receiver shotgun spread, like 30 out of 32 teams do that, they just don't carry that kind of value. On top of the aforementioned, you, you can get a second-year guy to go run for 800 yards. It's just That's just the way the league is nowadays. You don't, yeah. you don't have to. Now, again, don't get me wrong. If you have a generational talent, you know, if you could have 25-year-old Derrick Henry tomorrow, you'd, mm-hmm. you'd take him. It, right. No no one would say no. But that's just not the league, and that's just – and not everyone is like that. Nope. I agree completely. And, you know, even running backs now, to, to really be effective and to become RB1, you really got to be able to catch the ball. Um, yes. You know, it's not just a matter of – take handoff, run through middle of the line. You, you've got to be able to run routes. You've got to be able to make the check downs. You've got to be able to block. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's, it's, a different, it's a different game for running backs for sure, different skill set. Yeah. So with that said, we'll, we'll, we're going to keep an eye on it, obviously, with the, the NFL. We're, we're technically already underway in the college football season. It technically started this past week. Uh, <laughs> but the NFL season is, is, is right underway. So we'll, we'll see if that recent trend changes. Of, I, I forget the, 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 the figure is leaving my mind right now while we're, we're live on air of how many consecutive Super Bowls it has been where the team who won the Super Bowl, their leading rusher, was like – 25 years old or younger and was on you know like eight million dollars or less the Mm -hmm. the 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 era of having a 20 30 40 50 million dollar running back who takes up that much of your salary cap who was a top draft pick who who remains on your roster for six eight ten years and you're winning the super bowl with that guy that's just not it's just not the league. The, the, nope. the, the days of a Barry Sanders, Emmett Smith, or even a Walter Payton, mm-hmm. Earl Campbell, those days are just yeah. gone. Yep. With that said, we're going to talk about college football realignment right after this commercial break. So go away. It's Too Late with Alan Mosley is proudly supported by Fox and Sons Coffee. Fans of It's Too Late use code ITL and receive 18% off orders of $25 or more. Shipping's always free on orders over $37.99. So get yours today at their website, which is www.foxandsons.com. It's www.foxandsons.com. roll all right welcome back to the show everybody so of course the talk of this offseason in college football has been realignment there have absolutely been winners and losers but we're we're gonna take a quick little my god (laughs) (laughs) i know right 
we're we're gonna take a quick little roll through at least the major conferences just to say what to expect in 23 and then what kind of changes are coming up in 20 2024 and then mike and i are going to give our thoughts starting with the atlantic coast conference which uh boy it's it's such a weird era that we live in where the the kind of prevailing thought is is that if you're not evolving then you're dying and some there's even though the ACC has technically not gone up or down, there's there's fears there because so many the conferences around them are expanding. Mm-hmm. In 2023, they uh, will p- continue play with the 14 teams that they have had, and they don't currently, as of this recording, right. Wednesday night at nine o'clock Eastern time, they haven't made any additions or subtractions. Uh, the Big Ten, oh my goodness, the Big Ten oh. 2023 will be the final year of the Big Ten as you have known it in recent seasons. In 2024, they are going to be adding Oregon, UCLA, USC, and Washington. Of course, the big jumps there, UCLA and USC, who, despite being heated rivals across town from each other, decided to jump ship together from the Pac-12 and move to the Big Ten. Oh. Because, of course, naturally, why wouldn't L.A. play in the same conference as Rutgers? <laughs> Right. Uh, and then Oregon and Washington, two other, w- will be generous and say blue blood-ish, t- teal blood programs in the Pac-12 decided, <laughs> wait, wait, don't leave us behind. Right. And they join the Big Ten as well, but not until 2024. Mm-hmm. Got the Big 12. Now, the Big 12 is kind of in an interesting position because they they saw the way the winds were blowing and they were afraid for their long-term health the same way a conference like the PAC 12 was, but they were a little bit more proactive. They sought to bring in more fresh blood right away, actually a year ahead of losing some of their blue blood programs. So in 2023, they will have lost no one, but will be adding BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF. That's that's national National champion champion UCF. UCF. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. Uh, I mean, well, it's not recent, but technically it's national champion BYU too. So, um, that was slightly more legitimate. (laughs) Uh, so they're going to be adding all those teams, but of course in 2024, uh, or, or excuse me, Oklahoma and Texas, which Mike, let's be honest with ourselves. The big 12 is Oklahoma and Texas and has been for a, a long, long time. Correct. They are leaving the Big 12 and joining the SEC. We'll get to them in a second. Mm-hmm. The Pac-12, in 2023, the Pac-12 will feature 12 teams. You better enjoy the hell out of that 2023 <laughs> season because the Pac-12 is going to be going down to the Pac-4 with UCLA, USC, Oregon, and Washington leaving for the Big 10, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah all leaving for the Big 12. The as as of this recording again, technically the Pac four still technically exists as a conference because they of course they will again be playing this season as as is. Uh, for twenty twenty four, they currently have Cal, Oregon State, Stanford, and Washington State. The Pac twelve is not long for this world. No. Uh, rounding out the major conferences, we have of course the SEC. Uh, They will be remaining at 14 teams for 2023. In 2024, of course, they will be expanding to Oklahoma and Texas, bumping them up to 16 teams total. Now, the SEC, of course, is also in an interesting position of adding Oklahoma and Texas. Now, I'm I'm not exactly a big fan of that. Being a Southeastern Conference homer that I am, I'm like, ugh, go go away, Big 12 teams. I don't don't care how many titles they won 80 years ago. They don't belong in the SEC. With that said... I don't think anyone doubts that Texas and Oklahoma, in terms of tradition, uh, record, you know, notoriety, uh, money, obviously, let's be honest, money, they were the Big 12, and now they're joining the SEC. That makes the, in terms of, uh, in terms of history and value, the SEC is absolutely stacked. Even though they technically won't even be as big as the Big 10 will be in terms of total teams, I don't think the Big 10 will feature the type of just powerhouse schools that the SEC is going to feature starting in 2024. Right. Uh, I'm not going to roll through all the mid-majors, except for suffice to say that there was uh, some mid-majors are not making major changes. Some are. 
but a lot of that is all reactionary and mm-hmm. that's and that's kind of where the conversation goes here is that you you were either a proactive conference in this era of realignment or you were a reactive conference a lot of the mid majors who let's face it if you were a mid major school and a mid major conference you weren't exactly uh jumping for your invite to the SEC so you could get your share of the money cuz you weren't being invited right uh, but a lot of them did bring in more schools or kind of shifted schools around, mm-hmm. partly for geography, partly for money, partly to kind of keep maintain the status quo that they already enjoyed right. as some of their teams were jumping to fill the gaps left by other teams. Mm-hmm. So so rolling back around, what what are your initial thoughts on the era of college football realignment? I tell you what, Bob, it, I think first off, I think it's inevitable. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's it's the old saying, money talks and bs walks and you know i think what we're evolving to i think ultimately you're going to end up with basically two super conferences and then everybody else mm-hmm. and it's going to look a lot like the nfl in the that top tier and to me that makes me sad because the thing that i love about college football is the regionality and the uh the the rivalries and that's going to get completely lost. You're going to see a lot of rivalries uh, that that will be no more as these teams move into different conferences and uh, with more teams in each conference, you're going to have uh, you're going to have more conference games. There's going to be less room scheduling for for some of those traditional rivalries. So that that makes me sad, and it's just weird to me to think about. Like we were talking about the ACC, they were entertaining. Uh, at least I heard that. The, the scuttlebutt that, you know, they were talking about adding Stanford and Cal mm-hmm. to the ACC. Yeah, the Atlantic <laughs> Coast Conference, yeah. And, and I think there's something about that regionality. And, and, and you know, the conferences back in the day, and here here, here I'm going to sound like um, Matthew Stafford. I can't get along well with my uh, my younger uh, colleagues. But, you know, back back in the day, part of it was that there was, there was a distinction between the various conferences. You know, the Big Ten was uh, – those, those big linemen and running backs and that grind it down football. And the SEC was a passing league. And, you know, it was it was different and it was a different flavor. I think all that's going to be wiped away and and, uh, and gone. But, mm-hmm. I mean, what can you do? It, it is what it is. It's it's inevitable. Well, I, I, I know that a lot of people have made the argument that, you know, it does ultimately come down to money. Um, and you're in, and particularly with TV rights, by the way, you know, right. One, That's a one, big part of this. Yeah. The, the, the death knell for the PAC 12, as a lot of people have pointed out was they, they signed what frankly turned out to be a disastrous TV deal. I think that was back in 2016. I could be wrong mm-hmm. on that. So they, they tried to blaze a trail by essentially creating their own network of multiple channels for their conference and it, it just didn't take off it, it just right. it just didn't happen uh I, I think being on the west coast probably contributed to that sure. a little bit um and and and, and especially when and that's another thing too like look there's a lot i i can enjoy a lot of sports but college football is king mm-hmm. it just is and this is this is a football country i'm sorry baseball is not the national pastime anymore no. it, hadn't been, it hadn't been for a long time um but with with all that said, are there financial reasons for it? Absolutely, there is. But as as you pointed out, look, there were people, you know, five ten years ago that were saying, "I'm against realignment because what I'm afraid is going to happen is is that it's it's not going to stop. You're going to continue to have realignment until you have like an NFC and an AFC, and and then you just you know have a playoff and then you have a Super Bowl and it'll be just like professional sports. Well, you know what? Turned out that was. Not not a bad not a bad guessing of the way things are going. Now you don't technically have just two conferences right now. You have more than that right now. But when you look again, looking through the lens of college football, when you look at the teams that are going to be in the Big Ten starting in twenty twenty four, or frankly even now, if you look at the teams that are in the SEC now and the teams that are getting ready to join them. How many teams, and 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 I'm gonna go ahead and say other than Clemson, because let's let's be honest, Clemson, who has been a good program, and Dabo Sweeney's done a fantastic job, but outside of Clemson in the ACC, who has challenged the paradigm of the teams in the Big Ten and the SEC? Who has challenged that paradigm in this sport in 30 years? Right. Yeah, you can Almost go certainly. Nowhere. Yeah, you can certainly go back to you know the 90s where Florida State was a powerhouse, Miami was Miami, a powerhouse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, in, in recent years, no, not at all. 
Yeah, n- not at all. And 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 even with that is you know again with the ACC, it's 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 one of those things where if you're not if you're not rolling with the punches, they may be the next one who's in trouble. They've okay. got 14 teams, and and that's not a bad number, I don't think. I I look, I I like the idea of of I rem- I'm I'm just I'm just old enough to remember when there were conferences with like eight teams, and that was that was a conference, and that's yeah. all you needed. And 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 again, talk about the regionality of it, as you put it. The, the the conferences were set up in such a way that your team could get on a bus and go play the other team. Mm-hmm. They they would go there that afternoon and they'd play that evening. It's not like you'd have to get on a chartered jet to get there in time or fly the night before. Right. Um, I I know that I had made the example looking at the future of the Big Ten. So you've got a Rutgers team that's just a short boat ride out of the bay to the Atlantic Ocean. And then you have a Washington team that's just a short boat ride out of the bay of the Pacific Ocean. And those are now conference rifles. That's yeah. ridiculous. Well, and, that's you ridiculous. know, I think something that hasn't been discussed, and, and I think what will ultimately happen is, is you're going to end up having football in all the rest of the sports. But, you know, the, the conference realignment might make sense for football. It doesn't make any sense at all for girls softball. You know, you're yeah. not going to pack up a girls softball team at, at Rutgers and go play your conference rival in Washington. That's just the the there's not enough revenue and and the, it's just that's dumb and I don't think anybody's really thought about that. And and again, not to say that football you can't have your football conferences and and then it's different for the rest of the sports and that's probably what'll end up happening, but um, there's certainly not going to be any type of of homogeneity. You know, it's not you're not going to mm-hmm. have an SEC well, you probably will have SEC schools, but uh, you know, you're not going to have uh, uh, like you used to the Big East or something like that. This is just not going to be a thing. Yeah. Well, the the SEC is kind of in the interesting perspective of you know Oklahoma. Of course, they already added teams like Missouri and Texas A and M. So right. adding Oklahoma and Texas is not really much of a stretch over where they already were geographically. Yeah. But that's but it, it, they're not adding Oregon. You know, they're not adding right. Washington. They're not right. adding Washington and, State. And there are some teams that they could, you know, they could feasibly pick up a Florida State, uh, mm. a, a Miami. There are teams that, that could make sense in the SEC from a regional yes. standpoint. I think, so this is this is my quick prediction, and then I'll, I'll, I'll end on one final thought on this, is if, if, if a few of the other conferences suddenly find themselves in danger and, and you do see things gelling down to just two or three or four, and that's it. No other majors, no other nothing. Um, obviously the ACC would be the one most likely to be swallowed by the SEC, mm-hmm. but the SEC, look, the SEC is not interested in Wake Forest. Like let's, let's, you know, let's be honest with ourselves. Um, and, and even, even Miami, like, look, I know they've had some good, Miami is not the Miami that we remember. Yeah. And I don't think they ever will be again. It's just not the same kind of school. Mm-hmm. Um, but Florida state now, I don't think, I'm, I'm not, I don't think Florida wants Florida state in the sec, but they may, they may get outvoted if that yeah. were to come to that. But if, if, and, and I don't, and by the way, I don't think Georgia tech is a great school, but Georgia tech's in Georgia. You know, you could take UNC, Georgia Tech, Clemson, and Florida State, add them to the SEC, say we're never expanding again. And, I mean, it's a good conference. It's, it geographically makes sense. It makes a hell of a lot more sense than some of this other expansion does. Yeah. But Well, I, I know for a fact from, you know, following Florida sports pretty closely, Florida State wants out of the ACC. Yes. Um, you know, the grant of rights is a big problem for, for yeah. the ACC schools to get out right now. That's the it, TV deal for people who don't know what that is. Where, but, where, would, where would they go other than the NACC that makes sense? Well, that, there, there's that. <laughs> yeah. So with, with all that said, I, I guess what I would hang my hat on to, to wrap this up is, is that I know that the, that the pencil pushers out there say, look, it's about money. This is the direction it's going. Deal with it. All I can say is is that I feel like that that's a very short-sighted argument. I'm I'm not trying to be an anti-free market guy here. That's not typically how you and I roll in in our other content. But I also believe in the adage of the golden goose and in in dancing with the one that brought you. And I I feel like, you know, taking Washington and Washington state apart and USC and Stanford apart and Oklahoma and Oklahoma state apart uh, and and there's countless others having 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 quote unquote divisional rivals that are a thousand miles away from each other. I think you're running a serious risk of killing the golden goose that is NCAA football, which by the way is over a century old institution that brought us to this point. 
I think you ought to think a little bit further than one TV deal from ruining that sport. I agree completely. Couldn't have said it better myself. (sighs) On that note, Mike, it's time for us to put on our solemn faces. It's time for In Memoriam, where we remember a player, a teach, <laughs> I know, a coach, whose sporting life was cut tragically short, but this week we're remembering a lot of teams. We're remembering the Pac-12. The Pac-12 conference will be the Pac-12 conference for 2023, but as we talked earlier, it's only going to be a four-team conference after this because of, oh, everyone get out of Dodge. The, the Pacific Coast is lava. Get out. <laughs> Uh, I was I was never a big Pac-12 fan, but that's uh, it's a shame. Yeah. What's going to you know, happen? I did. I, what's going to happen to the Rose Bowl? I don't know. But you know, there is that that whole aspect that, that I always enjoyed. Like you've gone through your day of college football and you watch the games, and then it's like you know ten o'clock. It's like oh man, I can still watch football. You know, you got UCLA and Southern Cal. This you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm kind of going to miss that. Well, I mean, you know, I, I know that I'm, I speak for a lot of people when I say I became consciously aware of Boise State in the early 2000s when at, at 1 a.m. on a Thursday, it was, oh, it's college football. Why, why not? Right. <laughs> Let's watch some college football. Well, Alan, uh, you can always watch USC and Rutgers. Jesus. <laughs> All right. On that note, college football is technically already in full swing, but we're going to call this week one because Vandy and Hawaii just doesn't count. Uh, we're going to start with our picks, going with your Florida Gators traveling to play the number 14 Utah Utes. Last year's game to kick off the season ended up being a nail-biter, really exciting game. Uh, one, Anthony Richardson leads them back to win that game. It looked like it was a losing effort. He's no longer there. What do you think? I think Florida is going to be better this year than... They were last year, which isn't saying a lot. Um, but I don't think they're going to be better early in the season. And I think Utah at home, I, I'm, I'm going to take the Utes uh, with with the points. I, I just think I think Florida is going to get better as the year goes on. And I really like some things that Billy Napier is putting in place. But it's a slow build in Gainesville. And, uh, and I think the Utes are going to win this one. As long as Florida doesn't get it together until after like week four. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to say really quick. I'm not saying this because I hate Florida. I'm saying this because I genuinely – I think he's going to be fired in two or three years. Yeah. I think he's terrible head coach. Uh, I do – by the way, I do, I would take Florida plus 6.5, though. I don't have any respect for Utah. Utah's already thinking about another conference. I don't even care. All <laughs> right. Uh, going to number two, the Virginia Cavaliers. My goodness. They're, don't worry, guys. It's a neutral site game in Nashville, Tennessee, <laughs> where they'll be play, taking on the number 12 Tennessee Volunteers. Now, it is a 28-point spread, Mike Meharry. What do you think? I wonder how many Vol fans are going to make that long trek from Knoxville over to Nashville. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, 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 the number makes me a little bit hesitant. 28's a big number. Mm-hmm. But I don't think Virginia is going to be good, and, and I think Tennessee is. So I, I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and take the Vols. Yeah, I'm actually tempted to take uh, Tennessee as well. I don't know if Tennessee will have quite as good of a year as they had last year. I mean, it is only year three of the Hypel era, and they will be replacing Hendon Hooker and a host of other players, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. But we also know that Joe Milton can throw a ball like 90 yards. Yeah. That's insane. I think we might see that happen against the Virginia Cavaliers. So I'm actually going to take Tennessee minus 28, believe it or not. I w- by the way, I would never do that on Allen's sunken cost money pit. No. Never, ever. No, ever do that. Ever. No. Cause they, never. Because they, they can just go into cruise mode in the fourth quarter and, and lose the spread. All right. Exactly. And finally, how's this? A top 10 matchup in week one. The number five LSU Tigers, who actually lost this one in a heartbreaker last year, if you'll remember, uh, going up against the number eight Florida State Seminoles. Now, I told you before the show started, I think both of these teams are overrated. I don't think that LSU is a top five team. I don't think Florida State's a top eight team. But that's where they are, so it's a top 10 matchup. What do you think? I agree with you that that both teams are overrated. Um I'm actually going to take the Knolls. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like the way Florida State finished the season. I think it's an up-and-coming program. I really like Jordan Travis, and I think he's going to take another step forward uh, as the quarterback. I like the experience that he has. They finally figured out how to fix the offensive line up there. Um, I think it's going to be an upset with the Knowles taking out the the Tigers. See, this is this is just such a tough thing, and this is why a lot of teams won't play a game like this in the first week of the season. You know, LSU in the first six, seven weeks of last year and LSU in the last four or five weeks, totally different teams. Totally different teams. You had a team that was running Alabama all over the field in the last half of the season, and then you had a team, like, missing extra points and, and losing at home by 40 to UT in the first half of the season. Mm-hmm. Which LSU team shows up in week one? There's just no way to know. Yeah. There's just no way to know. Um, LSU actually is the two and a half point favorite on the road. So you know what? I'm actually, I'm going to, I'm going to follow your lead and I'm going to go Florida state. So you, the shirts won or lost are on you. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what I, I, uh, you know, going along with you, not, not, uh, ever actually betting those big spreads. I wouldn't bet week one college football in no. most circumstances. Like you said, you just have no idea how many, Weird penalties and just who knows muff punts and all kinds of mm-hmm. weird stuff happen in week one. So how how many times have you seen a team go into you know say week one, week two, week three uh, with the players who won the jobs in the off season and then those players give way to who will go on to be legendary players, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but they didn't start week one. Yeah, yeah, happens all happens the time. all the time. <laughs> Mike, do you have a final thought? I do have a final thought. You know, the other night I had a really late hockey game and uh, came home and, and as is typical with a late hockey game, it's hard to go to sleep after you've played hockey. And so I flipped on the TV and there was a 30 for 30 on ESPN. And I, I didn't generally enjoy 30 for 30 anyway. They do a really good job producing those. And the uh, the show was on the 1985 Chicago Bears. Mm-hmm. And of course, you you got to see a lot of footage. Uh, you know, arguably one of the greatest defenses uh, for for at least for a single year in, in NFL history. Uh, Mike Singletary and and man, those guys hit. And I found myself sitting there watching this and thinking, man, I really miss football as it was played in the '80s and early '90s. Yeah. And I get it, you know, I get the injuries and the concussions and stuff, but. I can't help but feel like in a lot of ways the 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 game is not the game that I grew up loving. Yeah. You know, on a totally random side note, you know, basketball players don't typically get a lot of CTE and yet I think basketball was way better in the 80s. Hmm. So, I don't know. You know, a lot of Just... hockey players didn't even wear helmets in the 80s. <laughs> well, <laughs> that being neither here nor there. Uh Mike, where can people go to? Well, hold on. Let's let's get back in our. <clears throat> this, is, this is an episode of It's Too Late. Mike, where can people go to support you and follow your content? Nobody wants to do that. Uh, yeah, you're right. My bad, guys. We're gonna be back <laughs> to wrap up the show right after this commercial break. Don't go away. If you're enjoying tonight's show, consider supporting the program by becoming a member of our Patreon. That's over at patreon.com slash Alan Mosley. Like our Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash Alan Mosley TV. You can follow me on Twitter, twitter.com at Alan Mosley TV. Subscribe to our YouTube page. It's youtube.com slash TV. If you're more of a listener than a watcher, you can get us on Spotify Podcasts, uh, Apple, Google, a whole bunch of others. Thanks to Spotify. It's too late with Alan Mosley, Alan Mosley TV. Um, I forgot to talk about this. Oh, yeah. So I don't have a button. During, oh, wait, I do. During the whole break, I was just... just huffing some coffee. Yeah. yeah, I was huffing coffee, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that's going to do for me, but anyway, we'll, we'll talk about it in the after party. Um, yeah. Dave, do you have a final thought? Yeah. No, actually. Hold on. Um, that okay. was a lot of fun. It was like, I got to, uh, a little information on the, the college football. I never understood that, like how the leagues worked or anything like that. I didn't know, really know there was leagues. I thought they all just played each other and then there was a Super Bowl at the end, but it doesn't yeah. sound like that. 
That's right. All so that 136 Division One college football teams play each other, and then there's yeah. the Super Bowl. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. The so, season, but I don't. Yeah. yeah. Every season lasts three years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, after party. Uh, yeah. Real quick though. Yeah. Should, just. You have just to, to talk the show. Yeah. Just to talk about Taco Bell, and then. Yeah. And then we're out. Guys, thank you so much for watching their episode of It's Too Late, and we will see you next week. You like my really fast wardrobe change there? Yeah. Quick. Yeah. I'm not Quick. sure if you had the suit on under the shirt. The shirt. Yeah. I had the suit on under a black polo. It's was wild. <laughs> but I had the black polo on under a suit. Oh. Yeah. Two suits? I'm going to call you from now. Two Suits Allen. Yeah. Old Allen Two Suits. Yeah. <laughs> why Why's it got to be old? I don't know. Just... Uh -huh. Young Allen. That sounds... Young Allen Two Suits?